Welcome to Sword and Shield, the official podcast of the 960th Cyberspace Wing. Join us for insight, knowledge, mentorship, and some fun as we discuss relevant topics in and around our wing. Please understand that the views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the views of the U.S. Air Force nor the Air Force Reserve, and no endorsement of any particular person or business is ever intended. Welcome to the Sword and Shield podcast. I'm Colonel Rick Erich, and today I'm joined with some very special guests. I'm here with... Francis Martinez, Director of Psychological Health for the 960th Cyberspace Wing. Thanks, Francis. We have a very special guest with us today over the phone. And so we're really excited to share with you all that we have uh, retired Lieutenant General Jay Silveria with us. Sir, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you, Rick. It's, uh, it's really my honor to be here. Thank you. Yeah, doing... Um, and, and you know I'm not a I'm not a Air Force Academy grad, <laughs> but um, your your tenure at the Academy saw a, a couple of very important topics, and you took a very bold leadership approach to those, and that's kind of what we want to talk about today. Well, well, thanks, Rick. I I appreciate that, but I I would say that one of the big takeaways from my time at the Academy regarding some of those topics, and I know you're experiencing that in, in your wing, is that the societal issues that are outside of the walls of the Academy are also going on inside the walls of the Academy. You know, that no organization, whether it's the 960th or the Academy or, you know, the Air Force or no organization is immune to those uh, societal issues just because someone has put on a uniform or joined the organization. So I think uh, that was one of my biggest takeaways from my time there. Yes, sir. And I know um, when, you know, when you joined the Academy, you came at a very tumultuous time. You had a couple issues going on there. And I think we're going to focus on uh, the sexual assault prevention um, part of that time. But certainly, if you want to share any any other lessons learned, too, that you had from any of your experiences throughout your career, uh, we'd be happy to hear that and really appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I look forward to the conversation. All right, Francis. Um over to you. Kick it off. Yeah. So thank you again for joining us, uh, General Severia. We're so excited to have you. Um, and, you know, we when we hear, you know, Sexual Assault Awareness and Prevention Month, uh, which we all celebrate in April, the first person I thought about was you, um, because I know that how you like to advocate for prevention measures and for victim care. And I, you know, I couldn't imagine doing this podcast with anyone else. Well, thank you, Francis. I, I think that's I think that's awfully kind. There's a lot of people who are who who really helped me and supported me at the academy at that time. But uh, it's it's no doubt an, an important topic that everybody should be engaged in. So I appreciate your work. Yeah, thank you. And so. One of the things, um, you know, I know the Academy had some, you know, bad press when it came to um, some negative events that happened there. But, um, you know, you stood ground and really wanted to change the culture. And I think that's like the biggest part of leadership, right, is steering the culture in the positive direction. So can you talk a little bit about, um, you know, what you did and how that kind of um, change to become more positive? Yeah, thanks, Francis. I think, I think one of the, the first things that I, I really took on, or, or I guess I, I, I sort of discovered is that 
change uh, on on one of these tough issues, sexual assault and 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 sexual harassment that we're talking about, culture change in that aspect. There's two big things that I that I learned that are probably worth talking about. One is that it has to happen among all levels of of leadership and all levels of the organization. One of the one of the struggles that I've seen over time is that sometimes leadership in the military, leadership in the Air Force, will abrogate that responsibility to someone else. Here's how it happens. A commander will say, whether it's at a, a squadron level or, or higher, will say, we need, to, we need to talk about sexual harassment or sexual assault, and they'll bring in an expert like you or someone, you know, a, a learned expert or someone with a lot of experience in sexual harassment and, and sexual assault to teach, to talk to the squadron or to the, you know, large organization and then they'll leave. And I think that that abrogates the responsibility from the commander. This is commander business. And, and if some, if the organization sees that all levels of the organization see this as their responsibility, that that's part of the culture that each level of command is responsible. I think that's what's so important that we can't just abrogate a societal problem or a societal issue and say that belongs to that office. They have to take care of that. No, it belongs to all of us. So I think that's the biggest first point that I bring up about bringing culture change to an organization. Well, I think, sir, um, and that kind of leads into my, my discussion. I found it um, incredibly inspirational with your approach that you went on live TV, national, worldwide TV, um, in a very uncomfortable situation and got some very pointed, direct questions after you've just kind of, you know, been at the Academy a few months to deal with this. Um, what kind of led to that, um, doing that live? And, and I noticed one of the one of the reporters mentioned a couple of times that, you know, they really appreciate you being there in person to do it. And, and so um, tell us a little bit about that experience. Well, I think they were, uh, um, as as the media and as the press would do, you know, I think they were taking on an important topic uh, as some people had brought them some information. Uh, it's sort of however they arrived there, they wanted to include leadership. And and uh, and, and I, I just didn't think there was any way that a leader should, you know, call it shy away or avoid the topic uh, and and should be ready to, to stand up and, and take responsibility first off. You know, I think that's the biggest message of a moment like that is that, you know, I, I take responsibility as, as the as the leader and as as the commander to 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 chart the course for the organization. And so um, when when asked uh, to do that, um, I, I think it's important that we take those opportunities to, to step out and do that. But I also think that a big part of that, Rick, has to be there has to be the continued follow-up and interest, right? Too many times something like that will be seen as, you know, call it a, a PR opportunity or a, uh, a just a, you know, get the message out opportunity. And so what had to follow after that had to be the work. 
you know, had to be, we started having summits and, and, and now is sexual assault summits uh, have really grown in the Department of Defense. But we really had had the first one of, of the of the ones that have been going on the past few years. We had one that spring and uh, invited a number of speakers. And since then, I've spoken at a number of other ones. But, you know, you have to decide to do the work, not just, you know, step out and, and, and speak out. You, you know, now it's time to sit down and do the work. Decide what works, what parts have to be changed, where, you know, where can we work on our education? Where can we work on our prevention? Where can we work on our response? You have to you have to step out and take responsibility, but you also have to do the work. Yeah, I want to touch a little bit about that because um, Colonel Erich and I have taken the approach of, you know, we're in this together. We're here to make things better for our airmen and their families. Um, in a prior podcast that I had with um, Colonel uh, Swanson, he talked about, you know, leadership not being engaged when it came to suicide prevention. They, like you said, they kind of pass it off to the VPI or or um, any other office. And then it was just a once a year training to check the box. And we're really trying to change that. We're trying to talk about it all the time, right, and bring it to the forefront, um, and same thing with, you know, sexual assault prevention. It's something that we're wanting to talk about because, you know, the more we talk about it, someone's more than likely going to come forward um, because they're going to feel comfortable that it's a safe space versus someone that they don't talk about it. And then, well, my leadership doesn't care. They're not going to do anything about about this. So that's where our focus really is, is changing that culture um, and know that it's OK to not be OK and get the necessary help that you need. Well, Francis, I, I think you've said so much there, and I think uh, it's so important to continue with those messages, leaders, that on sexual assault uh, prevention, on sexual assault uh, and sexual harassment, on suicide prevention, it's so important that leaders continue the message because there's, call it a message within the message. The fact that a leader at all levels is taking the time uh, when the organization's busy, right? The organization has a mission to do, has a lot of things to do, has a lot to accomplish. And when the leader decides we're going to spend time on this, then that sets, you know, that that's a very clear message that sets in the mind of the people that are in that organization. This is important, especially if it's, as you mentioned, that you continue to address it and, and you continue to come back. And then over time, I think that people begin to recognize the change. Well, they are taking this seriously. This is an important part of, of, of taking care of airmen, taking care of their, of their families. So I think there's such an important message of the message that leaders are taking time to to take on these topics. Uh, so I find that interesting um, as well that that people view it very differently through through different lenses. And then as leaders, it's really important for us to uh, continue to listen to our airmen and what they need and continue to shape opportunities for that. Um, so what kind of things did you find worked when you came back to the academy and you're like, okay, we're going to get after the work. You talked about the summit, but what were some other things maybe that um, folks in our organization um, can do to try to kind of continue the conversation uh, and give our airmen opportunities to um, talk about their experiences and get the help they need? Yeah, I think uh, in the area of sexual harassment and uh, specifically, 
uh, and sexual assault. I think it, that it's it's important that everybody understands from the leader's point of view that that you view this and that all that all levels of leadership view the different elements of this because it's about the education, about the prevention, it's about the response, it's about the accountability, uh, it's about all all points of that. And sometimes our service can be a little focused on one particular aspect. You know, we're going to, you know, a lot on, uh, call it the uh, the victim advocates and the, the response portion, which is definitely important. But we need to have a program that involves all of those levels, the education, the prevention, the response, the accountability. And then I think you can build in, in an organization the confidence that they are working on this and that they are taking it seriously. So I, I think that I think that's important. So to answer your question, I think what you have to do in order to, to take these subjects on is that it's, you know, if, you know, the answers call it all of the above. It can't just be about focusing on the response. It can't just be about the, uh, the, pre- the prevention. I found the, uh, the case management group meetings is one of the things that I really put a lot of energy in. And so, in fact, we published an article later about case management group, uh, about the how that correlated to other opportunities uh, in universities and other universities. While it was a military model to do the case management group, we published an article about how that translated into universities. And the reason I found the case management group so important was that was a place where the prevention aspects, the education aspects, the commander, the uh, the mental health, the lawyers, the investigators, the chaplains, everybody came together to talk about an individual case. And we all learned about each case, not just the status of it and where it was going, but we learned about what we could learn from each case uh, along the way, the steps parts of the organization had to take. So I found the case management group something that was really, truly valuable uh, to us as an organization and, and to me as a senior leader. Yeah, that's a good approach, right? That multidisciplinary team of having chaplains, VPIs, um, the safers, and then leadership be a part of what lessons learned, right? What what happened? What could we what could we have done to prevent the the assault or the harassment? And um, you know, providing that wraparound care service. And I think that that's it. it what we called it then was. Uh, the idea of a uh, of a network of care around people that while we have a, a, a an office that's dedicated to sexual assault and, and and sexual harassment and dedicated prevention, but we also have our family life counselors and we have uh, the the chaplains and we have EO and we have IG and and that there's a a, a network around airmen. Uh, that that is you know that that's that net around them and you're right the multidisciplinary so that it's it, what's important is that people get education they understand through prevention and then they get the response and the help that they need how they get that is not as important and so we have to meet them where they are 
and find programs and find methods. You know, we, too often, I think, we look for the silver bullet, right? This is the program or the element. And it just simply is not the case. Some people are more comfortable talking to the chaplain in that multidisciplinary role that you mentioned. Some people are more interested in going into the SAPR office. Some people want to talk to a, a, a peer. So we started training peers. So uh, I, I think that you have to present it as a mosaic for people to help them. Yeah, and that's the direction that we're taking here at the wing. So we're developing resilience teams at each of our units. Um, that way they have that peer-to-peer support um, and then that immediate response. And so um, those are one of the things that we're, we're taking on. And, um, you know, we educate as much as we can and share resources. We have large um, events happening around the uh, around the wing to promote chaplain services, military one source, MFLAC, Safer. Um, that way, people know they have okay all these different outlets that they can go to if they feel comfortable um, with one more than the other. And Francis, I think that's so important. And one of the things that we developed in the time that I was there was uh, the peer program that uh, we had developed among, uh, and, and it was among cadets because it was the age group we were dealing with, the 18 to 24. But you have that same age group, but the same principles apply that people in many cases are more comfortable talking to someone that's a, a more of a peer in their organization or someone that's that's closer to them. And so we started giving more training to those individuals so that they were ready and they were better prepared for those conversations. And then the other part that we started doing, which was along the lines more of, you know, medium where they're at, is is closer to, call it embedding, you know, putting chaplains that are in the same organizations consistently and, and mental health providers that are around in the same uh, organizations consistently. People get used to seeing them. They get used to talking to them about nothing, about other things. Then they're more prone and more comfortable going to them and asking for help because they know them and they've built a relationship. Yeah, building rapport is one of the biggest things when it comes to, you know, divulging um, information. And so my position here, I have that luxury, right? Because I'm with all 1,300 members and their families, um, and so I've been creating those relationships with these people. Um, and then, you know, using those resilience teams and building that relationship we have right now, I, I was talking to Colonel Eric this morning that we have a team of 32 people across the wing nationwide that are on, on this team. And one of the focuses I stressed, no leadership right? Because a lot of people, they don't want to go and talk to leadership about, you know, I was assaulted or this is happening. Um, And so we wanted to make it a comfortable space. Um, And if they felt, you know, comfortable talking to senior airman Smith about, you know, this is happening. um, And then that senior airman can, you know, help facilitate um, them talking to me or any other outlet to get that person the appropriate help. Yeah, Francis, I think that's I think that's so important. One of the things that we discovered uh, through a lot of the surveys, through the annual surveys, was that uh, a 
uh, sexual assault and, and sexual harassment took place more often in environments that had that were subject to uh, where discrimination took place, even at the at, at the call it the lowest levels that and environments that allowed, you know, comments or even the slightest uh, innuendos or the environments that allowed that were more prone to uh, harassment or assault. So it's important to be at that, at those, call it the lowest level so that everyone can begin to understand uh, that they that they have someone to talk to about even the smallest comment or the smallest of, you know, or a joke someone sees as a joke or innuendo that's where it has to be stopped and when you can have a peer that you can talk to to help someone understand that and they see that leadership cares about that lowest level that's when you can really start to make a difference yes sir i noticed um you know the other main topic that you ended up dealing with there at the academy when you first took over was the racism issue Absolutely. And, and, and your response of, uh, of how you handled that and attacked, um, that problem and, and, you know, frankly attacked it, you know, head on and with, with the entire, um, USAFA team and all the cadets there was, um, was really well done. And, and I think that thing's been viral and played everywhere, but, <laughs> right. um, right. you know, that leads into your, you know, your discussion about, you know, we can't tolerate, um, any of these behaviors or crimes and, and setting that tone for um, no, you know, no tolerance. And so um, what was your approach to, again, getting after the work there from a tolerance perspective and, and getting people to understand what the, what, not only what your intent was, but where they're coming from, from their different experiences in life of what they've learned, what tolerance means. Yeah, thanks, Rick. I, I think there's a couple important topics there that, you know, ultimately, and you as the as the commander and the organization, you know, we need the best performance out of our people. Uh, the, you know, these are this is a tough mission in a in a tough environment, and the only way to get the best performance out of our people is that is that they are comfortable and that they they can thrive and they can grow and they don't feel uh, subject to any discrimination, and that's. And that's in any manner of human condition. And so what I set out when when that incident happened is to make sure that our values were defined. It has to be grounded in our values, not about a blame, right? A lot of people focused on, on, on blame at times. It's not about blame. We have to be set a foundation of values. These are our values. And it has to be that any manner of human condition, you know, whether it's religious or gender or sexuality or background or socioeconomic or where they grew up or their parents or any manner of human condition to us, uh, is, it should not matter. What matters is that they can do the job. What matters is that they can perform when called on and that they can meet their responsibilities. And so I think when you put it in those, in just in those clear, clearest terms. Uh, I, I, I think that it, that really becomes empowering to a lot of people that, that they are part of something that where, where their leaders see it that way, that it doesn't matter. What matters is that you can do your job. Absolutely. And I know we've had previous discussions, um, you know, people coming into the military, everyone's like, thinks, okay, they're in the military, you know, they're perfect. Um, and we're 
held to a different light, right, than civilians or non-military associated individuals. Um, and I don't think people realize, number one, you know, military personnel are human um, and they are affected and they bring with them a lot of baggage um, as it relates to adverse childhood experiences, right? How I grew up is going to affect how I perform and what bad habits I bring with me to the military. And I don't think people really understand or think about that. I, I think you're absolutely right, Francis. And it, at it, uh, you know, I'm referencing my academy environment, but my times as a as a commander before that, it's a very similar, a uh, very similar problem. That you know, every year at the academy, 1,200 people showed up, and they came with all of the baggage that you mentioned. You know, we we screen them, and and there's lots of interviews, and they have congressional nominations and qualifications. But now it's in many cases the first time they're away from home, and they bring with them what you know what their family's values were, and they bring with them what people what people said. I mean, I've consistently made the comment that think about it this way: someone drove up. They got dropped off by their family, and they began their journey at the Air Force Academy. The conversation that happened in the car on their way, what if there was a comment that was disparaging of women or of a race or of a religion or or something that was not with our values? It was in the car. And they got out of the car, and then we, we took them on to join the Air Force and take on our values. We are fooling ourselves if we think that the moment they walk in and we give them our values that they instantly flip. We have to educate them. We have to continue to espouse our values. And then commanders have to be consistent with that over time. And then all of us need to recognize there's sometimes the idea of, didn't we just talk about this? Well, so of course we did, but somebody's now going to walk in the door the next day, and we have to continue with those those new members that are joining us to take on our values. Yes, sir. I think persistence is is a key word that I spend a lot of time thinking about, and um, you know, I, I feel like, man, I'm talking about this way too many times. People are going to get tired of hearing about it when we talk about what our priorities are and what we believe in and what my intent and vision is. Um, you know, but then, you know, what I'm hearing from you is that, that we need to be consistent and persistent that message because, um, everybody is getting their inputs from their own environments and that could be contrary to, you know, what we're trying, we're trying to do. And, uh, you know, at, at times it can be exhausting, I'll be honest. And, and, and other times it's invigorating. And I, and when I hear other people kind of talk back about the things that I say, and I hear other people parrot it and then, they're saying it in the right tone and context. I feel good about, hey, it's getting through and we're trying to build a culture. And um, and and obviously every organization has their own culture that when you get new people um, coming from all those different um, experiences that they're going to bring those pieces that they want as well. So we're trying to grow our culture here as a as a new wing as, as well. And I know as leaders, we always try to, um, you know, people get tired of hearing, we need to change culture, we need to change culture. But uh, it, it's really important for that leader to set the tone and culture of what they want the organization to be. Well, Rick, I, I think you're you're absolutely spot on, and and in so many ways, just acknowledging that you need to do that and that there's work to be done, it it 
it, 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 it really emboldens everyone else to realize, yeah, there, there is work to be done, that, that nobody's ignoring something or nobody is downplaying some element is saying, yes, our, our leadership sees that there's work to be done. I want to be part of that, part of that work. And that persistence, I believe me, I know exactly what you're talking about, that sometimes you feel like, didn't we just talk about this? Didn't we just say this? Well, you did. And, and you're going to have to say again tomorrow and next week and, and next month and, and stay consistent. All right, sir. Hey, we really appreciate your, your time. We're going to, we're going to wrap up here. And, um, um, again, it's really, really important for us to continue to talk about this. And we appreciate you being part of the conversation with the gladiators of the 960th. Absolutely. Well, Rick, thank you. I, I can't tell you that uh, how proud I am of the 960th, how proud I am of you and Francis for taking on this topic uh, and, and continuing to, to, to show leadership in that way. So, so thank you for what you're doing. Thank you, sir. And out there to our gladiators, if you've been sexually assaulted and need assistance, please contact the DOD Safe Helpline at 877-995-5247. It's anonymous, confidential, and they are open 24-7.